Resonate Church family, everyone joining us today online. It's great to be together. We're going to have some church today. And I want to look into the camera and say how much Rachel and I love you. That is our honor to be able to bring these messages to you into your homes. Believing God is going to minister to you right where you are today. And whether you've got the coffee and a blanket, whether you've got kids running around, doesn't matter what your environment looks like. I just want to remind our souls that God is with you in the midst of anything that you are going through. And today, come on, it's going to be a life-giving, hope-filled message. We are continuing our message series called Love in Isolation. And it's a series on relationships. How can our relationships help us get through a time of crisis? And I really believe it's my responsibility to be encouraging us more than ever before in in, to look to one another for the support and strength that God has given us. Because there is a measure of the strength that you need to get through what you're going through that God didn't put inside you. Come on, he put in somebody else that is doing life alongside of you. And so this series is all about how we stay connected and do life together in the midst of a crisis. Really, isolation and, and being apart from one another. We know that that can take an emotional and psychological toll. But if you remember in week one, we talked about how really the model of Jesus for relationships, so much of what he did, we can do now, thanks to technology, we can still see people, we can still hear and listen to one another. We know that the very first thing the Bible said about relationships was, it's not good for you to be alone. And, and so how do we press through that? How do we make sure we got the right people in our life and, and we're making this through uh, together? In week number two, we talked about six conditions of the heart. One of the things about going through a season like this is it's easy to take on offense. It's easy to find ourselves tempted. It's easy to want to go to a, go to a place of sleep or just kind of push things away and numb out. But we are going to step up to this moment. This is the generationally defining moment of our lives. And, and, and one day, people are going to look back and they're going to look at Resonate Church and they're going to say, man, what the strength that God built. One day, our kids are going to be standing on platforms that we built by faith in this season. So come on, Resonate family. If you're ready today, get in the chat and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Come on, somebody. Let's go to God's word together. I want us to look at a story today of resiliency. I want to speak on the topic of resiliency. It's so important right now. And if there is a case study in resiliency in the Bible, it's, it's a man by the name of Paul. If you've been around church, you'll know lots about him. He writes much of the New Testament. And he's a church planter. He's a follower of Jesus. He's called to reach people with the message of Jesus. And as you follow his life, you'll notice that Really, the moment after he gives his life to Christ, so much goes wrong in his life because he faces challenges. He's arrested for preaching Jesus. There's a group of people that want to ambush him and, and, and they actually say that they're, they're going to not eat again until they can kill Paul. I mean, he gets beaten. He's imprisoned un, unjustly, unfairly. I mean, if there's anyone that could understand what we're going through right now, it's Paul as he had to endure. You look at the end of the book of Acts. Two years of house arrest and he's still ministering and he's still telling people about Jesus. He's still lifting people up and encouraging people. The part of his story I want us to see today is in Acts chapter 27. And it's here where we see Paul uh, endure a shipwreck. It's not just 
any shipwreck. It's a shipwreck with a bunch of prisoners. And this is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 27. It says that when it was decided that we were to sail for Italy, Festus handed over Paul and a number of other prisoners to the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a member of the Imperial Guard. And so here's, here's the scene. We've got, we got a ship and it's full of prisoners. Reading on verse 2. We went on board that ship in the port of, well, yeah, you get it, that was planning to stop at various ports along the coast of southwestern Turkey. We put out to sea. We are accompanied by Aristarchus from Thessalonica in Macedonia. And so there's a lot there. There's a preamble. There's a context that the author is giving to us. It's a ship full of felons. Really, it's the con air of the Bible. You got Nicolas Cage playing Paul. Like this is, this is what this is right here. He's on a ship full of felons. Now one word stands out to me here and it's the word we. It, it, this word does not belong in this text. Paul is not the one writing the text. This text is being written by a man named Luke. And so when we see the, we, the word we here, there's something strange going on. Paul's not alone on this ship full of felons. Somebody else has chosen to be alongside him. Somebody made a decision that if you're going to be on a boat of felons, I'm going to go with you. And it's Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. Luke has said to Paul, I'm, not, I'm going with you. It doesn't make sense. Luke's a doctor. I mean, he's a follower of Jesus, a friend of Paul's, but he's essentially said that, hey, wherever you go, I'm going to go with you. And most of us don't have friends like this. I mean, if I was ever arrested and I had to go through a prison transfer on a plane full of snakes and prisoners, I mean, is Pastor Troy going to be standing there on the plane with me? Like, I got you, man. I'm with you. Like, I can tell his wife Rachel is at home right now saying, no, there's no way you're on that plane with Pastor Shane, right? We just don't have friends like this that will go through these moments of a shipload of felons with us. Come on, turn to the person that you're quarantined with and said, would you go with me? If you're watching this on your own, come on, get in the chat and say, I need someone to go with me. And so here we see the first pillar of resiliency that we see in the life of the Apostle Paul here. And it's, it's that relationships determine your resiliency. Relationships determine your resiliency. I mean, we've said this all throughout the series. Who you're doing life with is going to help you get through. And what we notice in this text is that, is that as we go on, it's not just Luke, it's others. Verse 3 says, the very next day we docked at Sidon. Julius, being considerate of Paul, allowed him to disembark and be refreshed by his friends that were living there. So before Paul faces the crisis, before the ship starts to sink, Paul's heart is filled. How is it filled? It's filled by the people he's doing life with. And here's where I just want to flip this crisis on its head. And I don't want to minimize what anybody's going through. I don't want to stand here like in some sort of plastic shield and say, there's nothing that's going on that's difficult. No, I've, I've wept with people over the phone over this last number of weeks as we've just talked. Like Real life is hurting and challenging right now. But here's what I want to do. I want to I look into the camera and flip this thing on its head and say, in the midst of this, there is some opportunity. There is opportunity to begin to, for those of us who have maybe shrunken our social circle down to nothing but 
maybe we'd say, maybe just one friend or just, I'm going to isolate just me and my family. God's called us all to expand the circle. Part of what God is going to give you to get through comes from somebody else. He didn't give me everything I needed to get through. He put some of it in some people that I'm going to do life with. Come on, somebody. This number of weeks we've been on Instagram Live on Tuesday nights. We're doing a thing called Taco Tuesday. And we're getting friends and other pastors that that we do life with, really from all over North America. We're just getting online and chatting with them. And we're just, we're saying, hey, more than ever, we just need to be, we need to be encouraging ourselves. We need to be talking to the right people. We need to be listening to the right voices. Paul, before he gets on this boat full of felons, gets around some friends and they refreshed him. Even the Apostle Paul, God's hand is upon him. He understands that he needs the right people around him to get him through what he's going through. And I was encouraged by something this week. Even as we look at what it's going to take to reopen our economy, and I saw that one province put out their guidelines that they're going to encourage some social bubbles, social bubbling that they were calling it. And what they mean is that when we start to take the restrictions off, what you're able to do is just, it's going to be your family plus one other family. And I thought, I thought, man, this is such an opportunity. Because so often we think the way God builds his church is through the large gathering. And I'm thankful for big church. I'm thankful when we put services on. Come on, we pack out a room and trust me when we can gather again and we're talking about it all the time like when and how and what's it going to look like we really don't know but we're planning and putting our best thought towards what that will look like one day but even in the midst of this watch what God is doing I believe God is going to rebuild the foundation of his church and he's going to build it up through some social bubbling one family with another one to one around a table oh I'm thankful that we can get together all together I'm thankful the music will be loud we will be I mean there's gonna be some dancing we'll be shouting come on it's gonna be amazing but I'm thankful for the opportunity we have right now to enlarge the circle one at a time who's God got for you, that he's going to build some resilience in your life through. Relationships build resilience. Here's the thing. I I don't ever want you to go through a shipwreck alone. And that's why every single week across our cities, we have hundreds of people gathering in resonate groups. And we just want to make it as simple as possible for you to find a place of belonging. And if you'd say, "Uh, Pastor Shane, that's been me. I just, I found over the last, come on, as adults, right? Like, we, it gets harder and harder to expand the social network. I mean, we, with my kindergartner, I mean, she's pretty good at this. She'll pretty much play with anyone. She meets you right now. She'll want to hang out with you. She'll be hanging out with you tomorrow. She won't get on a Zoom call with you tomorrow. But as adults, don't you notice how we, we find ourselves more insulated? And the, and, the reason, and the studies would back this up, that the older we get, the more difficult it gets to reach out. And, and I think I understand why it's just, it's difficult to show up someplace new. We feel like we're crashing a party that other people have been at for a while. That's why, come on, I want to encourage you. Even right now, we're beginning brand new small groups on a regular basis. Some just this week. So you can scroll our online database, find a fit. Listen, I I just want to give you an open invitation from the bottom of my heart. I just, I don't want to see you go through a shipwreck alone. Well, we're going to continue to see some more pillars of resiliency through the life of Paul. And we're going to read on beginning in verse number 18. It says, the next day. Because of being battered severely by a storm, so now they're in the middle of this storm, the sailors jettisoned the cargo. And by the third day, they even threw the ship's tackle and rigging overboard. After many days of seeing neither the sun nor the stars, and with the violent storm continuing to rage against us, all hope of ever getting through it alive was abandoned. 
I want us to see here that the atmosphere Paul is about to bring life and encouragement and strength into is an atmosphere where nobody has even a shred of hope. Reading on, Paul says this, in the midst of that hopeless, no one thinks they're getting through this. Paul says this, don't be depressed. He goes on in verse 25, he says, come on, man, keep your courage. We see this from the life of Paul. He's always saying things like this. He says in, in Philippians 2.14, live a cheerful life. In Philippians, he's in prison as he writes, live a cheerful life. He says, even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture. So he's saying there's no reason for us to not live a cheerful life. There's, even if you're going, like, even if, even if you're in the midst of a shipwreck, even if you're in prison, come on, some of the most encouraging words in the Bible come from a guy on a ship going down with a bunch of prisoners. And I think this should challenge you and me. Come on, does my attitude reflect my theology? That I have a holy God that, that created me and loves me and wants to be close to me. Does, does my attitude reflect the reality that the Father sent the Holy Spirit to be a regular, constant embrace of his love? Now, uh, I realize as a parent, that it's hard to change the attitude of a human being. I mean, Paul says here, don't be depressed and come on, just, come on, man, keep your courage. And how many know, you can hear me say that today, but there's part of us that's just like, well, man, I can't, I can't leave behind the way I feel. I just feel the way I feel. And I think what we need is actually is someone to look at us and let us know they see where we're at. So watch as Paul even does this. He goes on and And he says this, he says, today makes two full weeks that you've been in fearful peril and hunger, unable to eat a thing. Now eat and be nourished for you all come through this ordeal without a scratch. Watch this. He says, listen, I get that you're afraid. I get that you're discouraged. I get that you're hungry. You haven't eaten a thing. He notices where they're at. And then he says, but come on, you're going to come through this. And I want to speak that to us. We're going to come through this thing on the other side. But it's going to take someone noticing where you're at today. Rachel's really good at this. My wife, Rachel, she, she's great at this with our kids. Because parents, how many know, if you just try and tell your kids to have a better attitude, it's just not going to go that well. You're going to be the one frustrated with you. Like, they're just going to be like, I don't feel like having a better attitude right now, daddy. All of a sudden, I'm the one frustrated. Well, Rachel is good at, no, listen, if we're going to get our kids to change their attitude, what my wife has taught me is that they need our help to discharge where they currently are. They've got to discharge the feeling that they're currently overwhelmed by. And so I saw Rachel do this recently with our kids. Uh, the kids were out biking and we're teaching uh, our, ki- our, our, our four-year-old. She just likes going down rocky hills as fast as she possibly can. She's got the little stride bike and she just wants to go at the top of a hill, strap on the helmet, put it on tight and just go down full tilt. Now our six-year-old, she's learning the pedal thing and she's doing pretty good at it, but she had a tough fall on this day. And she gets back up and she just screams, I'm so terrible. I mean, she's, fr- she's done. No more biking. She's like, I'm done with this. This hurts. This is not fun. Now, my reaction as a parent is I just want to say, come on, have a good attitude. You got this. You can make it. To, don't be discouraged. I just want to tell her to up her attitude. But again, I've had to learn that I first have to discharge what she's feeling. And Rachel's good at this. So Rachel, Rachel, she will... She's, she's, she's taught me this to mimic the level of their volume. 
So if a kid is, is quiet and, and sad, to move in in a quiet tone. But if a kid is frustrated and overwhelmed, Rachel will do this. She'll go, of course you're frustrated because you keep falling down and it's difficult to ride a bike and you just feel like giving up. And I'm like, whoa. And then she'll say, but I've seen you do tough things before and, and you're going to make it. Come on, get back up. I'm going to cheer you on. Sometimes before I can have a new attitude, before I can have a new mindset, I've got to discharge the one I've currently got. And I believe God wants to do that for us today. The second pillar of resiliency is your mindset. And I believe God wants to change it. But first, you need to know someone sees what you're going through. I I, I just want to acknowledge that maybe you're watching this and you've lost a job. Or you're worried about losing your job. Or your marriage has been struggling or... You've been arguing more than before. You've been finding it hard to stay patient with your kids. Or you've been, and as a result, you've been losing sleep. Well, of course. It's been difficult. It's, it's been, there's been nights being awake. Maybe you're on the front lines and there's just, you don't even really know how you feel. You haven't even had time to pay attention to it. Well, of course it's overwhelming. Of course it's difficult. And now I want to say, come on, you've been through tough things before. And here's the good news. God has given you the ability to endure storms. That's why we're in this message today, is so that we can build our lives not on sand, build my life just on the emotion I'm feeling in the moment. No, I'm going to build my life on God's word. I'm going to find, I'm going to get the right relationships around me. I'm going to have a right attitude. I'm going to be resilient in the midst of, no, listen, Paul is to, the people that he's telling to not be discouraged and to grab up some courage, these are felons. These aren't guys that have a great attitude. These are guys who've been through some stuff. These are guys that don't typically have a bright outlook on life. Paul has just decided, I'm not just going to have courage in a crisis. I'm going to bring courage to the world around me in the midst of a crisis. How are we going to change our mindset? We just, again, it's relationships. We need to know someone sees what we're going through. Helps us to discharge where we're currently at so we can get back up and say, I'm going to start out with a new mindset. This is what Acts says about Paul. And I love this. I want to be this. I pray that you do too. Come on, Resonate family. May this be our DNA. This is what the Bible says about Paul. It says, every place that they went, speaking of of Paul and Silas in this particular text, every place that they went, they left the church stronger and more encouraged than before. Paul saw it as part of his mission to change the emotional outlook of the people that he was around. I'm just gonna, gonna leave them stronger. Our our world has never before needed the church to step up and take ownership of this call of God, that that we're resilient because of the spirit of God within us, who we're doing life with, and just this attitude. It's not that we don't go through tough times, it's just that we discharge that so we can live with it. Come on, there's just something inside of me that's encouraged today. So the first pillar of resiliency, relationships will determine your resiliency. Secondly, Uh, Secondly, our our resiliency is going to be determined by our mindset. There's one more thing I want you to see. I'm excited to to show you this third one. Verse 35 says this. Paul took bread. So here we are. He's he's just told them, you've been hungry for two weeks. Now, he's telling them that they're going to eat now because God's told them they're going to come through. So he takes bread and he gives thanks to God in front of them. They broke it and began to eat. There was 276 people who ate until they were filled and they were, notice again, strengthened and encouraged. It's everywhere Paul goes. It's fascinating to me that Paul is on this ship full of felons 
and they haven't eaten. I mean, there's some hangry felons. And he's sitting there with them, and he puts food in front of them. But before he allows them to eat it, Paul says, hold up a minute. We're going to thank God for this. What we should notice here is that Paul is thanking God for a resource that they do not have enough of. The reason that they're hungry is that they never thought they'd be stranded at sea for two weeks. It wasn't supposed to be that long of a journey. They found themselves in the midst of a storm they didn't see coming. They find themselves hungry, overwhelmed, discouraged, despairing of life. But thank God there's somebody on that boat in just got a different attitude. And as he's about to eat with him, he's like, hold up, hold up. You know, this, this resource that we have that's not quite as much as we would want, we're going to thank God for it. So here's the third pillar of resiliency that we see in the life of the Apostle Paul right here is gratitude. Come on. Resiliency is built out of a grateful heart. And not gratitude that has everything, gratitude that changes our heart, gratitude that's able to allow me to pivot from frustration to encouragement, from fear to strength, gratitude that actually changes my mindset is not thanking God when I've got more than enough, it's thanking God when I don't have all that I think I'm going to need. It's like, God, I'm thankful for church today. doesn't look like I thought it was going to look, but I'm thankful that I can still meet online. I'm thankful I can get in the chat and just see some people and say, what's up Alex what's up Jamie come on like I'm, I appreciate I'm thankful that I got zoom small groups I'm thankful that I got my family I'm thankful for this house I'm in not the big dream house that I thought I'd be in at this point but I don't have every resource that I thought I'd ever have but I'm going to thank you God for what I've got today in Jesus name God thank you for my marriage even though it's been difficult for six weeks thank you for my spouse Thank you for my season of singleness. God, thank you for the resource that doesn't seem like enough because you've given me something I can be grateful for today. Come on, what God's given us in this moment, let's be grateful. I think one of the best things that we're going to be able to do for our hearts in, in this season and then looking back is when we worship in the midst of it, is when we're grateful in the midst of the storm. I think the best worship when you stand before God, the kind of worship that God's going to say, hey, I saw that, is not your worship when you got the job. It's not your worship uh, on the best days. It was your worship on your worst days. God, I'm going to give you praise in the middle of my storm. Well, the bad news is the storm's coming. We're, we're in one. The Bible makes it very clear. The storm's everywhere. There's times Jesus is asleep on a boat. He's right there in a storm. There's times they're at sea and Jesus is up on a hillside and then he's walking past them in a storm. There's this storm right here. The New Testament is for the Bible is full of storms. The good news is God has made you. The, God has made the, the architecture of your soul able to withstand storms by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, by the people that you've got with you, by an attitude of gratitude. And I just want to encourage us today as followers of Jesus that now more than ever before, the world is looking to us. The world around us sees nothing but a ship going down. You and I see, you and I see path to a miracle. We turn over and we see the close of this chapter and we see that the way that they actually make it to land is not that this boat gets them to land, it's that broken wooden pieces get them to, to land. The miracle might not look the way that you thought it was going to look, but God's going to get you to where he's called you to be. And so Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you for a resilient spirit upon your church. 
God, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you that you're stirring up within us confidence and courage that you're with us. God, if you know the number of hairs on my head, then I know that you know the storm I'm in. It's not caught you off guard. You are not shocked or surprised, and you are with me in the storm. God, I just speak that over someone watching right now today. Someone watching this, you're like, my storm's not six weeks. My storm's been six years, maybe three decades. Come on, you feel like you feel like the prisoners on this boat. You feel like your life has been imprisoned. You feel like there's no hope and it's going nowhere. And today, I want to say this in Jesus' name. I'm believing this. I'm proclaiming it, that as part of this Resonate family, even if you're just watching online today, come on, welcome to the family. Now, I believe as part of this family that God's hand is going to be upon you. He's going to get you through. That the 276 men that God spared because they were near Paul. Come on, that's going to be the story of our church. There's miracles happening in people's lives because they're near you, because they're near me. Come on, let's be life-giving people. God, to get there, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your help. And so, God, today we're going to worship. We're going to invite you right now into our homes. You're God of our homes. You're God of our hearts. We're going to give you our best praise in the middle of the storm. Come on.